If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter two, in verse two, Paul writes this, and he says, for you must teach others, say it with me, teach others, those things that you and many others have heard me speak about. Teach them these great truths to trustworthy men who will in turn pass them on to others. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help it to take root in our lives, that we would not only be hearers, but doers of your word. And in that, we will see your blessings. Lord, there is no blessing like your blessing. Father, we need you. We need you in our lives, Heavenly Father, to guide and to direct us, Father, to give us wisdom and knowledge and discernment. Father, help us this morning, Lord God, to be attentive to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. The church says, amen. amen. I am here today because someone made an investment. Someone made an investment in my life. Someone said, that, that young man, he's worth the time. He's worth the investment. And those that caught the vision of making sure that there was someone ready to take their place. You see, Paul was teaching young Timothy a very important principle in life, that great leaders are able to replicate. Great leaders are able to replicate. See, you could have all the charisma in the world you could be the greatest speaker who ever lived. But if you are not replicating others like you, then you have just missed that entire opportunity of what God has called you to do as a leader. I titled this message this morning, Back to the Future. That was a movie that I grew up watching. Many of you know it as well. Back to the Future, it's developing young leaders. You see, if we are going to see this fellowship keep moving forward in the Lord and to see future leaders, we must develop others to take our place. We need to. We need to focus and when I say back to the future, we need to keep our mind on the future, future building. Who, is, who, is, who am I raising up to take my place? Who am I pouring my life into to build up, just as others have done in your life? And we need to, we need to keep our mind on the future of what God seeks to do and the future leaders that God seeks to develop. And this morning, I want to talk both to the mentors and to the future leaders. I want to look at some of our roles in order for you and I as a church to be successful 
in developing young leaders. Point number one, and this is on your worksheet, is going to be empower. Say that with me, empower. We're going to be looking at first the mentor's responsibility, and then in each, in each point, we're going to also be looking at the, the job and, and responsibility of the future leader. So let's look first at the mentor responsibility here. In empowerment, number one you have there in your worksheet is give an opportunity. Give an opportunity. Ephesians 5.16, Paul writes this and he says, make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. So many opportunities come our way each and every day. The opportunity that you had this morning to hit that snooze button to sleep in. Maybe some did. That's why they're not here this morning. They seized that opportunity. They said, oh, no, no, that, that snooze button is calling my name. It sounds so good, and I'm going to just, oh, yes, yes. I love it. I love my sleep. So many opportunities that we face in our lives. But you know who else is quick to seize an opportunity is the enemy. The enemy is always looking out for opportunities to use you and I. And he's quick to seize it. Therefore, you and I must recognize the importance of training young leaders before the enemy tries to deceive them. We need to get to them first. We need to make sure that we train them in the things of God. We need to make sure that we train them to learn how to recognize the lies of the enemy. To how to recognize the, uh, the, that those opportunities in their lives are not from God, but they are from the enemy. And they need to, they need to recognize those things. You know, when, when, when you think of opportunities, you know, I think of my teenage years and so many opportunities to do wrong things. They were, they were there for the taking. Whatever you wanted to do, you can do. I thank God for his keeping power. I thank God that he placed key individuals in my life that were able to recognize that we're able to understand that they needed to get to me first before the enemy did. See, we must emphasize the importance of their mission. Whether it be playing on the worship team, whether it be part of the greeter ministry, as people walk through these doors, you tell them, good morning. It is good to see you. You're looking good this morning. You know, even if you have to, you know, stretch the truth a little bit. <laughs> You're smelling good too. <laughs> or even if you're giving a testimony at an outreach in the streets. You need to explain to these future young leaders the importance of their mission. The importance of being a greeter. 
that when these people walk through the door and they see your face, your lovely face, they're going to actually want to come back because you, told, because you greeted them nicely. Because they weren't ignored. They didn't walk through these doors and then walk back out with, with no one telling them anything. No, they were greeted with, with godly love. The importance in Luke 10, Jesus empowers 70 leaders to go into every city that he was going to travel through. And in verse 2 of Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells them this, a very familiar scripture here, and he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. What was Jesus telling them? Well, he was expressing to them the great need. He was doing exactly that. He was letting them know the importance of the mission. And he was also telling them, and you, Jesus says, and you will be used to meet that great need. Let me tell you, that's key for a young person. That's key. Not only to understand the mission, but to know that they play a very important role. To know that they have purpose. To know that God is going to use their lives greatly. Yet that, yes, there may, there, there may be a great need, but God has called great people to meet that need. And he's going to give you everything you need in order to be successful. You see, that's empowerment. What Jesus was doing with the 70 was empowering them to, to complete their mission. I'm sure some of them were probably thinking, you mean I could do that? How many of us, when we're asked to do things, you know, you know, in the back of our mind, we're thinking, you mean I can do that? I remember when I was asked to, 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 to step out of my comfort zone. That was in the back of my mind. How can I do that? How is that even going to be possible? I know me. I know what I'm capable of and I'm, what I'm capable of not. See, we need to speak power over the lives of these young individuals. Speak power. Why? Because the words that you speak and the opportunities that you will give will change their very lives. It will change them. You might not see it immediately, but I guarantee you it is changing their lives. I know this from experience. I love what Jesus says. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. He says this, check this out in Luke 10. He says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Thank you, Jesus. He's in charge, church. He's in control. Maybe you're concerned about what is taking place around you. Don't worry because God is in control. Maybe you're concerned about finances. Maybe you're concerned about health. Maybe you're concerned about your family. Maybe you're concerned about the future. Don't worry because God has it under control. 
God promises to take care of his children, right? Doesn't he? Does God ever forsake his children? No way, and he never will. He says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him, ask him to send more workers into his fields. Are you and I praying for more workers? Are you and I praying for future leaders? Are we seeking God and, saying, and, and, and asking God to build up these young leaders? Are you asking God to use your own life to build these young leaders? Don't wait for someone else. God, I can't, God, I'm praying for so-and-so to build up young leaders. No, God, help me to be that person that raises the next generation up. What can I do, Lord? You see, God's work will be done. That's a matter-of-fact statement. See, he sent the 70 so that they would not only come to understand the need, but check this out, but that they would come to see the supernatural power of God. In Luke 10, 17, it says, when the 70 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Oh my gosh, how, how excited they were. He says, Jesus says, yes, he says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, Jesus says, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. You see, Jesus provided them with an opportunity to be a witness of the power of God. And let me tell you from, the, from personal experience, when a young man or woman experiences the supernatural power, I tell you right now, he or she is going to want more. They're going to want more. Are you serious? How did this happen? Oh, I want more. I want more. You know, what, what, what teenager, when they have a good thing, says, oh, you know what, that's enough for me. That's enough, that's enough alcohol for me. I'm good. That's enough, that's enough you know, you know a, a fornication for me. I've had enough. These things happen in the world, church. This is real. And this is what we need to protect these young future leaders from. It's the lies of the enemy. Deception. So we need to give them an opportunity. Give them an opportunity to make decisions, to bring up new ideas in the church. Give them opportunities. They're full of ideas, I guarantee it. For the future leader, what is your part in this? It is to be courageous. Joshua was told to be strong and courageous multiple times in the Bible three times by his mentor, Moses, three times by the Lord, and once from the children of Israel. Be strong and courageous was, const was constantly repeated in Joshua's life. Why? Well, because to be strong and courageous 
It isn't about the strength that you can muster. It's about the strength that comes from the Lord. To be strong and courageous, not because you are full of yourself, but because you are full of the Spirit. Be strong and courageous because our world needs to raise up Christ's followers who are strong and courageous. We need to raise them up, church. It's our responsibility to raise these young leaders. God is calling on you, future leader, to stand for righteousness in a world where wrong is called right. To stand for godly morals, not only in your speech, but in your actions. He's calling on you. Secondly, here is to motivate. Motivate. Say it with me, motivate. For the mentor this morning, that means you need to equip. You need to equip the next generation. How do we equip them? Well, God seeks that his word be planted in our hearts. You equip them with God's word. I remember in my life when I was a youngster, someone, someone took me aside and took me under their wings and, and had me read the word of God when I was real young here in church. And I remember they would, you know, every service, I would, I would read a chapter in the Bible and they would sit with me while I read the Bible. What were they teaching me? To get God's word into my, into my, into my mind and my heart. Get it in me. Get God's word in me. Why? Because if you have the truth, you can distinguish between the lies. Mentor, this should be your prayer for the future leader found in Hebrews 13, 21. And Paul says, may, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Christ Jesus every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. That needs to be your prayer for that future leader. You pray over their life directly. See, we need to provide the right tools for the job. How many of you ever, in a pinch, you know, used a wrench as a hammer? I know you've done it. You probably even use like screwdrivers as a hammer, probably am. I know you ain't using your phone. You use everything you can find, but it doesn't, you know, even though it might do the job, it wasn't the right tool. It wasn't the right tool for the job. And God is telling us that provide them with the right tools that they need in order to be successful. Don't hold anything back from them. Don't cheat them from seeing success in their life. We need to equip them. You can do it. You can do it. You need to encourage them. When you see them down and out, come on, get back up. Let's do this. You can do it. Future leader, what does this mean for you? That means that you need to be dedicated. You need to be dedicated. One of my coworkers just retired recently after 41 years at our job. And I always joke around with him because uh, he got hired a little before I was born. <laughs> he never liked hearing that. 
<laughs> but I love throwing those little, those little jabs. But I think that's dedication. That's dedication. You know, when I hear of marriages, my mom and my dad, their marriage, you know, all these years, how many years now? 40, 46, 46 years. 46 years being married. You don't hear about that nowadays. That's commitment, that's dedication. I read a statistic about marriages in the U.S., and it says the average length of a marriage nowadays is 8.2 years. 8.2 years. I'll tell you right now, that is not a lifetime. That is not till death do us part. That isn't. There's a strategy against it. There's the enemy, like I said, who seeks those opportunities. So we need to make sure that we train them. Future leader, you need to be dedicated. You need to be committed. You see, the world does not promote commitment. It will not teach you how to be dedicated. Only God's word will. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. They will succeed. That's, that's a promise. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. It doesn't say, and your plans might succeed. Because that really leaves you like, oh, wow, this is, this is a rough point, you know. What do I do? Do I really commit my ways to the Lord? Because I'm not too sure here, God. Your word doesn't give me much, much uh, security. No, he says, your plans will succeed. This is what God's word does. When you commit your actions to the Lord, when you, when you strive to live a godly life, a life that is pleasing to God, your plans will succeed in your life. You will be able to have that same commitment to whatever it is that you have committed yourself to, whether it be a marriage, whether it be to a, to a career, And always, always, in serving in the house of the Lord, God is going to help us to be committed. We need to, you need to be a hard worker. Future leader, you need to be a hard worker. You need to work as unto the Lord. There's going to be times that you want to quit. And let me tell you right now, I've been through the same thing. There's been times where, where, where life just gets tough. And you, say, and you say, wow, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. You're right. You're absolutely right. You shouldn't be doing things that way anymore. You need to rely on God for his strength. You need to seek the Lord in his, in his, for his wisdom and direction in your life. Before you were trying to do things on your own, that's why you found yourself in the mess you found yourself in. And I'm just speaking, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right here. But God is teaching us how to do things differently. He's teaching us how to rely on him. Number three, lastly here, is keep the standards. 
Say that with me. Keep the standards. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Paul says this, and he says, Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. In everything you do, Paul says, be an example. See, we mentor for you and keep the standards. It's be a godly example. Be a godly example. See, we are raising leaders, right? Yes? Are we raising followers of the world or are we raising leaders? We're raising leaders. Thank you, Jesus. In the church, the church needs to put place so much value on that, on keeping standards high, living your life according to the word of God. It doesn't matter what the other church is doing down the street. It doesn't matter. You, God has called you to live a godly life. God has called you to be a godly example. Take your focus off of everyone else and you pay attention to where God is calling you. What has God called me to do? Why did he change my life? Why am I here this morning? What is, how does God seek to use my life? Who is the God that I serve? Well, the God that you serve is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'll tell you right now, he does everything with perfection. So what does that mean? That means that if he is using your life, oh, you are blessed. You are privileged to be used by God in any way, shape, or form. See, when it comes to morality and righteousness, we must stand with the word of God which guides you and I to live a life that pleases God. That's what it means, to live a life that pleases God. You know, some may ask, well, how do I live a godly life? Seek to please God. Draw closer to him. Don't draw away from him. Draw closer. Seek his word. Seek communication with him through prayer. Seek the fellowship of the saints here at church. It's important that you connect with the body of Christ. The arm can't live by itself at home watching church online. You need fellowship. You need fellowship. See, your godly morals will bring favor in your life. We must teach them not to fear what the world thinks, but instead focusing on honoring God. Don't worry about what so-and-so says about you. And that's why, and that's where you come into play, mentor. 
because these teenagers may hear all this garbage from, from the world. You know, look at you. You're a nerd. You little church kid. You little goody-goody. I've heard goody-goody my whole life. You little goody-goody. <laughs> but you need to mentor these young leaders by speaking the truth into their lives. That way, when they're, when they're assaulted with these, with these insults and, and so on and so forth, they know, oh, that's not true. I know what God says about me. I know who I am in Christ. And yes, I am. I am a goody-goody. <laughs> See, in today's culture, it's become too easy to take a back seat on moral issues. Too easy. As I said, you see churches doing it, pastors doing it, taking a back seat on moral issues because they want to see the numbers increase. Oh, geez. God helped them. God helped them that their eyes would be opened to the responsibility that he has given to them, that they are accountable to God for their actions. You see, you need to care more about what God thinks than what the world thinks. What is the next generation learning from us? Woo. Woo -hoo. That's a big question. That's a big question this morning. What is the next generation learning from you and I? Not just from your words, but from your actions. That to, that to love someone is to accept sinful behavior? Wow. Wow. You see, you see God's love for us led him to sacrifice his son for you and I. But don't get it wrong, God hates sin. He hates sin. He doesn't hate you. He hates sin. He hates what sin does to the relationship between you and him. He hates that. Why? Because sin separates. It separates. God does not want to be separate from you. You are his child. And so God does not hate you, the person. He hates the sin. He does not want that to be part of your life because it, it brings that separation and that hurts God. So mentor, you must do your part in keeping godly standards by being a godly example. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that a, a leader leads in action first. A leader doesn't just, doesn't just give orders and say, do this and do that. No, a leader leads in action. Come, follow me, Jesus says, didn't he? Jesus didn't just say, all right, boom, you're out. He said, no, come, take up your cross and follow me. And I will show you how to be fishers of men. 
future leader. You must be a moral trendsetter. Be a moral trendsetter. I know all you uh, youngsters would, you know, strive to be trendsetters. You want to you wanna be, you know, one of the first to, you know, wear certain styles or, or, or buy certain things. You want to be a trendsetter. Well, God wants to take you even further, and he says, I want you to be a moral trendsetter. Throughout the years, we have seen many trends come and go, haven't we? <laughs> if you, you know, I, don't, I won't ask any ages, but I'm sure, uh, you know, in this place, you know, many have seen so many different fashion trends take place. Well, let's look very quickly at a few fashion trends that I grew up with. Here we go. Number one. Wow. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, all right? This woman was not auditioning for the part of the lion on The Wizard of Oz. This was a real style. Welcome to the 80s, people. When Aquanet was, was just roaring rampant. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. All right, next one. That hurts. Next one. Oh, look at that. This is the 90s. This, these, these are my, my teenage years here. I'm thinking like if, if the Barbie collection did an MC Hammer part, it would, this, would be the, this would be the Malibu MC Hammer. <laughs> Who would wear such a thing? All right, next one. Oh, yes. Remember that one? This is, this is one of my personal favorites here, crisscross. You know, not, not only will they make you jump, but they made you wear your clothes backwards. I'm guilty of wearing my clothes backwards. Yes, I did it. That's okay. I'm good with it. I can live. I got past it. But all these trends that come and go, and we can think of so many. I don't even want to get into the, to the, to the 70s. Good thing I wasn't a part of that. <sighs> Jeez, if you guys even remember it. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> I didn't mean because of the age. <laughs> I meant something else. <laughs> See, trends of the world, they come and go. But do you want to know what stays the same forever? God's word. Oh, man. 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1.24 says this, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Forever. I'm going to do the sand lot right now. Forever. That was another movie growing up. God's word will last forever. It doesn't, it doesn't go out of style. It wasn't just for a decade. It's for eternity. 
It's been forever and ever, and it will continue to be. Young leader, future leader, you need to understand this, that God's word will never, ever fade. It will never. It doesn't matter if the fashions around you keep changing. Don't even sweat that. Don't even try to fit in. There's too many changes. It's too expensive. <laughs> Focus your mind on the word of God. Be intense and purposeful on being a part of something that will last. See, God is calling you to stand out, future leader. To stand out amongst the rest. When everyone else is, is, is just doing whatever, God is calling you to stand out. When everyone else is giving in to the temptations of the world, you need to stand out. Why? Because you're a better person? No, because God has called you. God has called you to live a different life. And God is calling you next now to teach those others by the way that you live what a godly life actually looks like. What it means to live in purity. And others will, others will look at your life and say, wow, I didn't even know that that was still possible. I thought that went out of style, Christianity. Some people think Christianity went out of style. Why? I blame the church. As a whole, I don't mean New Harvest Church. I mean the church as a whole in this world. Where is the stands being taken? Where is the truth being told? If it's gonna to be told, it needs to be in the church. Oh my goodness. And if it's not being told in the church, where is it gonna come from? It's you and I. It's you and I. We're it. Tag, you're it. You need to understand, young leader, that godly morals will bring favor in your life. When you work at your job and your boss says, wow, are there more people like you? Do you know any more like you? That's God's favor. That's the favor of God. Because I'm sure that same boss is telling someone else, why did I hire you? <laughs> but they see in your life something different. That's that godly living. You can thank God for that. God, I thank you for helping me to be a good worker, for helping me to work as unto you. It doesn't matter if my, if my boss shouldn't be or uh, uh, has no business being in that position. It doesn't matter. You're my boss. You're my boss, Lord. And I'm going to work as unto you. You see, favor follows faithfulness. You stay faithful, young person. Stay faithful. Stay faithful to living a life that pleases God. And you will also see his favor. 
Back to the future. Back to the future. Church, we need to constantly be purposeful of preparing the next generation. We need to, if you don't, as Pastor mentioned yesterday, last night, it will not continue to go forward. It's your responsibility, it's our responsibility to develop these young leaders. You keep, you keep fighting, you keep praying. You stay in unity. And you seize those opportunities to do, to, to do things for God. And as you seize those opportunities, you will be excited to see that God will equip you for every opportunity he uses you in. And we'll see the blessing as well forever and ever in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise this morning.